when I look out there into this beautiful world, that is me. It's not me against the world. It's me as a part of the world. Awareness, the final frontier. These are the explorations of Jonathan Robinson and Brian Tom O'Connor. Their continuing mission, to discover fresh new paths to the mystery within. To seek out new joys and new methods of awakening. To boldly go into the heart of expanded consciousness. This is Awareness Explorers. Welcome back, Awareness Explorers. Great to have you again. And uh, I'm your co-host, Jonathan Robinson. I'm with my friend and co-host, Brian Tom O'Connor. I'm excited, Brian. Today we have Lee Holden, who's a Qigong master, and he's one of the few people we've interviewed where I actually am very, very familiar with his work because I've uh, done a lot of his uh, Qigong videos, and we uh, are both fans of Montauk Chia. But before I go into Lee's bio, when we came up with the idea of doing a Qigong master, uh, what was that like for you? You had maybe a little bit of resistance? Oh, well, yeah, I I wasn't quite sure how it uh, dovetailed with our usual topic of awareness practices and non-dual spirituality, etc. So I'm very curious to see... uh, to see how it goes. Well, if anybody can bridge that gap, I think it'll be Lee's. So let me give you his bio. Um, Lee studied a variety of martial arts early in his life, including karate, kung fu, and had an early interest in Taoism, Qigong, and Chinese medicine. After college, he set out on a path of self-discovery in Asia, visiting China, Japan, Indonesia, and eventually Thailand where he was hired to write books for Qigong master Montak Chia, who uh, I have spent some time with. Master Holden then opened his own healing arts clinic in California and produced and created a series of educational Qigong DVDs, which have been shown in more than 50 million households on PBS throughout the United States. He is the founder of Holden Qigong and holds teacher trainings in his accessible style of practice and training. So welcome to Awareness Explorers, Lee. Hey, thanks so much, Jonathan. So great to be here, you guys. So, you know, as I mentioned in in, uh, talking to Brian, we both know Montauk Chia, uh, who is a very famous Qigong master. How did you start with getting to know him and writing his books and getting into Qigong at such a deep level? You you know, it started with uh, a dismay of psychology at UC Berkeley. (laughs) <laughs> I was I was studying, I was in a class called the, uh, the Study of Human Personality, uh-huh. and the professor was so dry and boring, I just couldn't stand it anymore, and I, I skipped class, and I went to the spiritual bookstore on Telegraph Avenue, and uh, as I'm browsing through uh, Shambhala books, um, some books by Montauk Chia jumped out at me. I was like maybe 19 years old or something like that, and um, I was like, oh my gosh, here in this one book, as I'm flipping through, I'm already learning techniques and tools on how to make us feel better. And I've already spent a whole year or two in psychology, and I haven't got one technique from college on how to actually feel better. I got a lot of diagnoses. I got a lot of what the problems are, but nothing on actually how to solve or any solution space. So I bought a couple of books by Montauk Chia. And as I'm walking out the bookstore on the telephone pole, there was a flyer 
Montak Chia in town this weekend. Wow. And I was like, whoa, okay. All right, universe, I guess I'm going to this workshop. And uh, funny enough, I was, uh, you know, I, I didn't have enough money to attend the workshop as a poor student. So I asked, uh, I asked the organizer if I could help and do anything uh, for them as a way to work off my tuition. And uh, they said, yes. And I did that almost, you know, every semester, every time Montauk Chica came to town, I would be part of his staff and eventually led me to becoming a ghostwriter for him in Thailand, spending, you know, many months in Thailand, uh, not only studying with Montauk Chia and writing books, but exploring meditation, healing arts, uh, all kinds of things uh, from the from a meditative healing arts, energetic cultivation standpoint. Mm -hmm. Yeah, you know, uh, actually, we have a similar background. Thank God for boring psychology teachers. You know, they they are are the Lord works in mysterious ways, as they say. Absolutely. Um, you know, we have a little bit of a similar background in in that, and I found it interesting. I, I like how you take you know Montauk Chia's work, which can be a little bit hard to understand for a Westerner, yeah. and really make it very simple for folks and and very practical um what what has been your goal in in doing that is it to help people with stress is it to awaken them is it to help with health or is it all of the above what what is mm. your goal in in doing that yeah i mean i feel like i see it in a, in a series of steps you know i think if if people aren't healthy and feeling feeling energy it's very hard to connect deeply to their inner truths to their inner potential uh to their spiritual side of selves so i kind of see it almost as a pyramid as um health and vitality and building energy in the body emotional balance uh, clarity of mind and then spiritual awareness as that pillar um and starting with health and vitality people get an uh, get an, an awareness of energy and uh, there's something in Qigong called the three treasures, which is basically loosely translated body, emotion, and consciousness. And each of these energies is not necessarily different energies. It's just a different manifestation of the same energy. And so as we work on our physical health and our physical energy, that will lead to emotional balance. Emotional balance leads to clarity of mind. When our mind's clear, we see ourselves in the world ourselves in our deepest sense a lot more clearly and profoundly and when you say ourselves in our deepest sense what what how, how would you could you go into a little more detail about what that means yeah absolutely and i'll just i'll stay with some qigong terms because these three treasures in chinese are called jing qi and shen jing let's say means essence and that's uh, related to your body Qi on this in this kind of context relates to the heart center and our emotions, our feelings, and let's say the wisdom of our hearts. And then Shen is our consciousness or our spirit. So when we're talking about um, awareness and our primordial Shen, our, our original nature, so to speak, it's something to be in tune and in touch with. Um, so this happens when we can quiet our minds when we can feel a sense of cohesiveness between ourselves, nature, the universe around us. And so I think as we work with energy cultivation, it'll allow us 
to go through a series of elevating our energy on all three of these treasures so that we really can infuse ourselves with, let's call it high octane, high vibrational energy in our bodies, in our hearts, and in our minds. And each one of these areas has the potential to give us more, let's say, spiritual elevated experiences. So the, this, the spiritual experience of the body, when we feel really vivacious and alive or the enlightened uh, feeling that we can get in our hearts where we're feeling loving kindness and compassion or that clarity, that pristine energy in our minds where we're feeling a sense of wholeness, oneness with the world around us. And I think, you know, it takes practice. It takes a particular kind of cultivation to be able to connect to those kinds of frequencies. You know, what I find interesting is, you know, I've been involved in a lot of different spiritual systems. Uh, and this podcast is mostly about what you could call non-dual awareness or direct awakening type mm -hmm. things. And um, there's certain methods in that sphere. And then there's certain methods in Qigong and Taoist philosophy. And, and of course, in different religions and Buddhism. And they all point in similar directions, slightly different sometimes. Yeah. Um, when I went on a trip with Montak Chia for a month with Montak Chia and Michael Wynn in 2010, mm. you know, doing an hour of Qigong a day with, with uh, Montak Chia and the whole group and visiting these monasteries, after about a week, I was like really awake, you know? Yeah. And, and we don't have the language that often bridges that these are all interrelated. You can get there through one direction or another direction. How do you see that? Um, the energy cultivation of Qigong relates to what could be called non-dual awareness. Mm. I think it's a non-dual awareness is really speaking to me these days. I just did a, a Tao Te Ching Qigong uh, workshop, a series of workshops online. So uh, Tao Te Ching, is, I think a lot of people have heard of this book, but it's it's the most widely read book in the world. Like next to the Bible. So second most widely read book. And throughout the book, it's talking about direct experience, direct awakening, direct contact. You know, and Qigong and Taoism is really about your own individual connection with source that we don't need, let's say, a translator. You don't have to have a priest, a monk, a nun, a spiritual guru, a shaman to tell you what the divine is saying. It helps you to access that directly in and through your own precious vehicle of your own mind, heart, and bodies. And we can get that sense. And it could be a felt sense in the body. It could be a emotionally intuitive sense in our hearts, or it can be an awakening in our minds. I think those three areas support each other. Um, and I think quite simply, Qigong helps us to get out of stress. It helps us to transform stress back into vitality. When we're stressed out in our nervous system, we are in survival mode. We are self-centric in that mode. We're looking out for our own needs and necessities. And I think even when we're not in survival, most people are still in survival mode in their nervous system. So that allocates your chi, your energy, your life force towards survival, towards our five senses, but when we can relax and, and drop into deep relaxation, get into parasympathetic, that offers a whole new array of opportunities. Um, then we're in more abundance 
and more abundant consciousness where we can feel connections rather than separations, where we can feel a true feeling in our bodies and minds that we're all in this together, that there's a cohesiveness to life and that we're not just here to survive, but we're here to thrive. And that thriving really comes when we start investing in our hearts and then we're living with more loving kindness and compassion, maybe as a Buddhist term, uh, more seeing and really feeling that when I look out in nature, when I look at my fellow human beings, we're connected, we're part of a wholeness that when I look out there into this wor beautiful world, that is me. It's not me against the world, it's me as a part of the world. And that's, I think, the opportunity when we really get energy circulating out of survival mode and into more of our hearts or into more of our uh, awakened consciousness. And we really start to feel these deeper frequencies that, that life has to offer. I loved how you said, when we look out there, we're looking at me. That really does resonate deeply with me um, because it seems like most of the time we're involved in how to fix our individual personalities. And we think that somehow manipulating the way the world is, is the key to happiness. And it seems to mm -hmm. me, actually, happiness is our default state. And we just yeah. have a whole lot of filters in between mm -hmm. that prevent us from experiencing it, including probably our vibrational frequency, which I suspect that's at least the way I think of it. And mm -hmm. I, I suspect perhaps that could be interpreted as something similar to the chi that you're talking about. Mm, yeah. And I love what you just said. Happiness is our default mode because uh, lots of people don't necessarily feel that on a day-to-day -day basis because there's so many filters and because, you know, it, it's unfortunate. We don't, I don't have to teach a Qigong workshop on how to worry, how to be stressed out, how to be anxious. We kind of have that nailed because you know, our nervous system, our mind-body system is set up to prioritize survival over happiness. So the work to do, and, and by the way, gong, as in qigong, gong means work, uh, a skill set, and developing a skill set to live with more energy or live with more life force energy that's optimized at a high frequency. And what does that look like? Well, it just means that we can really tune in to say, like, is this traffic jam in should it be a life death situation is me talking to my boss a life death situation is me getting the kids ready for school life and death most of the time no most of the time stress and survival mode is an overreaction um sure when you're facing a grizzly bear when you're standing on the cliff's edge when you're walking down a dark alley and there's some noise behind the canisters yes maybe that's a good time to go into survival mode into stress mode, but stress mode really should be something that we only use in small portions and short bursts. It's the chronic stress that really keeps our energy heavy. And that heaviness causes depression, feeling of fatigue, feeling of being just stressed out as people call it, anxious, uh, all kinds of things. And when we can you know, work with that, we have an opportunity to transform it because energy is always able to shift from one state to another. And so in Qigong, we're, all, we're constantly talking about, let's say, gardening, that stress, anxiety, worry, depression 
It's like we can use that as compost to grow a beautiful garden. It's necessary, but to see things, let's say, like you guys talked about non-dualistically, we see the yin and the yang and the circle around it. So the yin would be the compost. The yang would be the flowers. But without the compost, there is no flowers. Without us knowing some difficult times, without us knowing sadness, we don't really, really know what true happiness is. So it's not that we just don't ever feel those, let's say, quote unquote, negative emotions. It's just that we never or we don't get stuck in any one frequency and we can get back to deep relaxation where you said our default mode is the state of light joyfulness and inner peace and whenever we're out of sync with that it's a sign let's do a little bit let's do a little bit of work to get us back into that state of relaxation and peace or what we might be calling in qigong flow great a great answer um you know, one of the things I like about Qigong is that there are no shortage of methods. Uh, we're um, we're both method junkies, Brian and I. And if anything, Qigong has too many methods. You know, uh, I've I've done your videos, a diff different video every day for a month, and you know it's always new. Um, but one question I have is a lot with Qigong is stuff that you have to take time separate from your life to do, and I'm wondering if there's any thing that you think of as a Qigong method or helps us to get in the flow that can be done, say, while walking, driving a car, uh, being, I don't know, even email. Mm. Yeah, Jonathan, this is what I call Qi living because mm -hmm. your Qigong class is just a practice for living better. You know, Qi, the term Qi means aliveness. It is your livingness. And so, um, you know, we do a Qigong class to practice getting into flow state or to clearing stress wherever it's held in our bodies. You know, we all hold too much tension or tightness in our upper back, neck and shoulders. There's aches and pains. So we can do very specific things to help that Qi heal and get us into a state of wholeness within ourselves. Wholeness and healing come kind of from the same root word. So we can create a healing effect by working with energy, then we go into our lives and we're driving the car or we're picking up kids from school. And how can we keep and maintain that state of relaxation or flow, even in the face of, let's say, adversity or what seems like stress, you know? So I'm doing this all the time because I have four children. I have a toddler and three teenagers and I have two businesses and then Good I do luck. all kinds of things. So I'm constantly, how how can I bring Qigong into this circumstance? How can I, how can I make this a, you know, when I'm getting kids ready for school, today was the first day of school, by the way, how can I make it like a flowy, easy, effortless day? And, you know, when teenagers are bickering or something, how do I come in and, you know, Aikido or Tai Chi this? And sometimes I see that as my challenge to implement Qi principles into life circumstances. The other thing is just taking Qi breaks. You're sitting at your desk, take two or three minutes and do one Qigong exercise. Uh, you're driving in traffic. This is a great opportunity to practice some breathing exercises, to just tune into your breathing and, and do a couple of little things that you might have learned in, in Qigong and apply it in, in short little areas in your life. And that, that can really pay dividends. And by the end of the day, it's the difference between being depleted and stressed out 
or relaxed and energized. Mm -hmm. yeah. Now, in a lot of the uh, guests that we've talked to and, and in the whole world of, uh, I would call it non-dual spirituality and, 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 and many other forms of spirituality, there's a focus on meditation, on mm -hmm. sitting quietly. And it seems like in Qigong, there's more of a focus on, on movement on moving mm -hmm. the body. And so mm -hmm. I'm curious about your take on that. I think you talked a little bit uh, about that in your book, Simple Qigong, about uh, yeah, yeah. how moving the body um, creates, uh, uh, it opens the channels of flow. Could you talk a little more about that? Interesting, right. And and that's a great distinction because in Qigong we're, we're doing a moving meditation. Mm -hmm. And we also do seated meditation, but we can see the difference um, in moving meditations. And uh, speaking of Lao Tzu, there's, I'm, I'm going to paraphrase, but it's, he says, only through movement can we achieve true stillness. And so I always like, hmm, how do we achieve stillness through movement? And one of the ideas that I have is that we're trying to connect to a larger source of flow and that we're in a universe that's moving. Everything in the universe is moving and growing. And even when we're seated in meditation or asleep, your body and your mind is still having all kinds of tremendous movements happening. Nature is moving. Everything's growing. The earth is spinning and moving around the sun at about a thousand miles an hour. So in a world and in a universe where everything's in movement, if we start to move with that universe, we find ourselves in the slipstream when we connect to this flow and it feels like we're in stillness when we catch it just right. And that's what Qigong movements try to achieve is like, let's get rid of the tension first in our bodies. Let's activate this life force energy. Now let's find the flow and the rhythm between me and the energy all around me until it becomes very cohesive and we get swept up in it. And then we're like in this flow where we are meditating, we're also moving. And um, I kind of sometimes call Qigong the, the sunset of exercise because you're moving and you're exercising, but you're doing it with relaxation. So the sunset is when yin and yang and nature are really in harmony and balance. It's not night, it's not day. It's right in between and it's this beautiful time where everything is in harmony that's kind of how i feel qigong is because it's it's a meditation it's movement but everything is a little bit of both and so what it creates is this beautiful equanimity within your mind and body where you feel just this sense of ah yes that's better so you know in, in a qigong practice like in my qigong classes we do about a 50-minute Qigong practice, ending with flows, as I'm talking about. And then we sit down and we do maybe uh, a 10-minute meditation just to wrap things up and, and really work and look closely at the nature of our own consciousness. Sounds very appealing. <laughs> it is. I love it. Yeah, I'm uh, wondering, there's a lot of methods in Qigong, and there can be a certain preciseness. I was watching a video many years ago of Al, Al Wang, uh, where he was basically saying, just feel the energy. Don't get too worried about the precise technique. You know, the technique nice. is to help you to feel the energy. And that really helped me a lot. Nice. So I'm wondering what your thoughts are. Is it where the balance should be to 
just kind of feel the flow and the energy however you can, or to do these very precise techniques that have been handed down for thousands mm-hmm. of years. Yeah. And now this is where you're going to get different opinions based on different Qigong teachers and probably even different meditation teachers, right? It's like, so for me, am I going to move the chi or am I going to let the chi move me? Now, for me, I think most things in life, there's a recognition that most things in life we don't have to do. And I think this is so important to remember. What are we actually doing? Now that can just be, you know, all the activities that in your life, or it can be a particular practice. When we're doing flows, I like to think of it as the chi is moving me. Mm. What do I mean by we don't have to do? Uh, well, we don't have to do most things outside of us, like blow the wind, wave the waves in the ocean, all those things. We don't do any of that. But even inside your own body, most things you don't do. You don't beat your own hearts breathe your own lungs, digest your own food, grow your own hair. It's all just happening on this subconscious level. So that's the difference between voluntary action and involuntary action and the recognition that most things fall under that involuntary activity. When you get into flow state, what happens is your voluntary actions and the involuntary actions are really in alignment. They're coherent and there's a power that comes from that. So you know, it, it, the, one of the first techniques of, of Qigong is relaxation. This is, happens when you're in flow, in flow state. We got to actually do less to accomplish more. Less tensing our bodies, less thinking in our minds. That comes from relax, relax. And all of a sudden you get swept up into this energy where your voluntary movements are very minimal but this great energy that's already within you now becomes coherent. And you get swept up in it. Mm-hmm. So I'm I'm of the method, more of this water method where we're doing less. And when we're talking about energy and energy cultivation, the thing to remember is that we already have all this energy within us. We just mismanage it by too much tensing. Like if you walk around and tense your muscles up all day long, at the end of the day, you're going to be tired not even at the end of the day, after an hour or two. Well, we're all holding way too much tension. And people can just right now, if I said, relax your neck and shoulders, I bet you can relax quite a bit and go, oh, wow, that's better. Relax your jaw. I mean, all of these little areas in our bodies that we can reclaim the energy. And then all of a sudden we're like, wow, I have a lot more energy. I didn't even know it. It's not that we got a whole lot more energy. We're just managing the energy that we have in a much better way. Now, how do we feel? How do we sense the energy within us? Well, it will come and we can enhance it. We can give it a little boost in the same way when we're gardening, we can add a little water to the flower. We can put it in the right space, but then nature takes over and does the rest. Mm -hmm. And so your body is this cultivation where we're going to do things, yes, but most of the time we just create simple ways in which we create harmony in our system. And then the involuntary subconscious the intelligence of our energy systems take over and that can work in our minds and our bodies and that's kind of how i how i see either you know the effort in doing a practice like qigong and being meticulous with the hands or arms or body positions or where the energy is going yes we want to do that but we want to do it a little bit and we want to relax more and get ourselves into that flow state and then everything happens 
that we call, you know, just magic. It's just like, wow, this feels so great because we've relaxed into a larger force. And in essence, we're trusting the nature of ourselves and the nature of this beautiful universe in which we find ourselves. Yeah, it's very helpful. Thanks for that. On a practical level, uh, what is the the path for people to learn Qigong? And I asked this for a very personal reason when I was reading your book, and I, the, the first half is is about the theory and uh, and uh, its relation to Taoism, and then you get to the exercises, and um, I found myself getting overwhelmed. Like, oh yeah. my gosh, there's so many. I couldn't possibly do all these. I can't learn all these. So is it that we must then find a teacher or there or there are only a few that we start with? Or or what is the path for someone yeah, who wants to learn great. this? And, and, and I think this speaks to what I found after teaching Qigong for 35 years, Brian. Um, I find that it's it's difficult to learn out of a book. You know, it's not impossible. It's just harder. And if you're learning Qigong out of a book, just take one or two exercises and try them and figure them out. You could do, you, you can get a lot of benefit just, you know, if there's 20 exercises in the book, if you really get three of them and you just practice those for a week and then the next week you do three more and you kind of stitch them together after a couple of months, you got a nice little routine. The easiest way really is through now, especially with modern technology, is through video courses or a teacher live. Those are always the best and easiest. Um, for me, what I do, I have lots of videos on condition specifics. Let's say uh, Qigong for upper back and neck, Qigong for low back, Qigong for stress, Qigong for sleep, because I really like to help people target whatever they want to work on and create a routine for that. And then I do um, just a video class subscription where people just turn on Zoom like we're doing right now and and are able to follow a class with me uh, three times a week, either live or we put it on the website and you always have uh, the two weeks of classes that you can come to. And then the other thing that I do, and this is very helpful, is I edit it into a 20 minute uh, class just in case you're too busy for the full hour. You got a 20 minute option uh, to go through. And in 20 minutes, you can get a really good uh, boost in vitality and a, and a lowering of your stress levels. And I find that that's very helpful and it keeps the exercises really fresh because each class I do something a little different. Yeah, and uh, I found them incredibly valuable at Lee and, and your teaching is very clear and the videos are very helpful. A question I have about one of the mainstays of, of Qigong is uh, something called the microcosmic orbit, which is kind of breathing for our listeners who don't know about it. It's in a lot of different systems and a lot of different delineations and descriptions, but it's basically kind of like breathing energy up and down your spine might be the simplest way of putting it. And I've been with various teachers that describe it in all these different ways, but you have 35 years of experience of actually being in the trenches trying to teach people this. What have you found helpful for people to um, get into their core and feel that energy moving up and down? Yeah, and, and this is this is great. So microcosmic orbit sounds sounds a bit esoteric, and and it kind of is. Another name for it is the small heavenly circle, and again, it's the idea that what's happening within our bodies energetically also happens in the universe around us. So when we look at the universe, there's 
you know, planets revolving around galaxies moving in these in these orbital ways, in these spirals, in these circles. And so the energy in our system also can work in that same way. When you look at yin and yang also, yang is fire, yin is water. Fire tends to rise and go upwards. Water tends to sink and go downwards. If we get separation of yin and yang, that's when we get problems in our body. So your body's designed already to keep energy circulating. So it's called warm current. It's not hot, it's not cold. It's just this nice warm current circulating in these two channels. And when that's happening, we feel more balanced. With stress, uh, with life's agitation, it creates too much heat. It creates energy to separate. And then we feel wired and tired. Let's call it, that's the modern term. Depleted in our, in our bodies and too much energy in our heads. Too much thinking, too much fatigue in our in our physiology. So this orbit helps with that issue. It just keeps everything in harmony and balance. And you're basically breathing energy and following energy with attentiveness and awareness as it goes up your spine to the crown of the head. And then it comes down the front of the body back to the belly. So it's making this circle through the body and you inhale it up and exhale it down. Now, there's lots of techniques. We could do it in movement as a Qigong movement. We could do it as a seated meditation. We can use some uh, contractions like pelvic floor contractions, certain breathing exercises to help to open up this circuitry. Um, what also happens is that people through life get blocked, blocked up, what we call stagnation of qi. It just gets it gets too congested and then we don't really feel it. It's not as easy to move. And so what we have to do is sort of decongest the pathways, like uh, almost like redigging a trench, like dredging out the gunk. And now this clean, clear energy flows through it. So that's kind of the work with the microcosmic orbit in a simplistic way is like first, first open up those channels again and, and decongest get rid of stagnation, and then move this pristine energy in those channels. And what we'll find is that it's a great tonic. It's going to increase your energy. It's um, It helps to sort of recycle energy. Uh, it helps us also when we raise that energy and get it into the head, it helps us to feel more connected to, let's say, our source, our, the universe, our higher selves. And then when we come back down, it helps to bring that wisdom of our higher selves back down, let's say it comes into our heart centers and it infuses it with compassion and it brings it back into our bodies, into our belly center where we feel more grounded and present. And so it's a really helpful technique energetically to create balance and give us access to maybe the kinds of energies that we're wanting, wanting more of in our lives. It definitely quiets the mind quite a bit. It really does. I think of it as a, uh, energetic mantra because mm -hmm. instead of having it as a word mantra you're just focusing on the energy up the back down the front up the back down the front and pretty soon the result is quiet mind mm -hmm. now i just tried it just now as you were talking about it great, and, it, great. and it, it really did feel marvelous i mean i really loved imagining the energy coming up the back and down the front, and I started to feel more relaxed and more open. But part of my skepticism was that this is invisible energy and isn't it imagination? Now, mm. I, have to, I have to 
also say that actually I believe in the intense power of imagination. So it's not mm -hmm. necessarily meant as a put down to call it imagination. Right, right, right. But how do you know this chi is really more than imagination? Yeah, that's great. Fantastic question. Um, you know, there's a saying in uh, Qigong, imagination leads the mind, the mind leads the chi. So now we're going to have to say, what is what is imagination? How does it affect our physical bodies, so to speak? So imagination is powerful. And all we have to do is look at medicine. We have to look at placebo. If I believe something to be true, why does, if I believe something to be true, all of a sudden now my body, it responds as such in this mind over matter kind of way. Well, in chi terms, the bridge between mind and us thinking and a belief and a body response, the bridge is chi. It's invisible life force energy. It's circuitry that's happening behind the scenes. So we just have to look at where what is qi. And, and in the Chinese medicine classics, there's about 350 different kinds of qi. And we talked about three of them, the qi of your mind, like thinking. There's the qi of your heart, like emotions. Uh, there's the qi of, of, of your body and your physiology. And many aspects of your physiology has different kinds of chi. So how do we know that this invisible energy is, let's say, quote unquote, real, as opposed to like, I feel my body and I say, oh, that's real. But our subjective experience can be real as well. And whether the quality of our thoughts also has great impact on the quality of our bodies, physiology, and our lives. And what is a thought? It's not, we're not going to see it in a tangible form. Nobody's going to open up your brain and see what you're thinking about. It's energy. It's, it's electrical impulses between nerves. We can say that is chi. Uh, and they don't know how these electrical impulses in the brain create images in your mind. That is quite miraculous, in fact where we like, there's no projector, there's no light source in your mind to be able to see something. So that's what one aspect of this mystery, mysterious chi of the mind. And we just, we could look at the heart, what the heart, the physiological heart, we can say, okay, yeah, the heart is a pump, it beats and it circulates blood. But then there's also all these emotions that we feel. And we say, I love you with all my heart. And I feel my heart was swelling with happiness. And if we opened up the heart and did surgery on it, we're not going to see how happy you are. We're not going to see how much love is in there. But those things have tremendous impact on our life. Now, people that are happier, their immune system's stronger. People that are depressed, their immune system's quite a bit weaker. So these things, they go back and forth so seamlessly that we don't really know what's what. In fact, the, the, the even the beating of our heart is mysterious. What beats your heart? Well, we'll say it's heart chi. Heart chi beats your heart. It's an electrical impulse. It's electricity. And it's not any kind of electricity. We can't just plug a dead body and pump electricity. And make, we can make the heart beat, but they're not going to come back to life. Uh, the heart energy and the life force, the chi is invisible. We can't see it. It's behind the scenes, but... It is the mystery and the magic that makes everything work. So we call chi the animating force. It makes everything move. And so when we move our arms, whether we voluntarily do it or our heart is beating involuntary, that is all the workings of chi. 
Yeah, great. Thank you so much for that answer. Thanks, Brian. That was a great question. So now for an esoteric question, uh, as we go from the practical to the mysterious. You know, when I was in China, um, I entered a, a temple of Wan Yin, uh, goddess of compassion. Mm. As mm -hmm. I entered that temple, I was so inundated by energy that literally they had to carry me out. I was in bliss. Wow. Wow. And, Beautiful. And other people in our group also felt that. Whereas other temples you went to, it was like, yeah, that's pretty, but nothing, no energy. And then, you know, being with Montauk Chia, he sometimes would send energy out his eye and alter people's consciousness and other miracle things he would do. Um, I'm wondering if you can comment on on the maybe the connection between chi and magic or how you view what's going on with those types of mm -hmm. miracle type things. Yeah, beautiful. And I think, um, you know, we're, we're, we're kind of looking at an aspect of Chinese medicine and Chinese culture called feng shui how energy works in spaces. So Qigong, the energy, how it works inside of you, feng shui, how the energy works in the spaces around you and they influence each other, right? That's why we love to work on our houses and make things feel good and have a nice view and be around nature and that all helps energy. Um, that reminds me, I'm, I've been quoting the Tao Te Ching or referring to it a lot, but there's a passage in the Tao Te Ching that says, we put up walls to a house but it is a space inside that truly makes it usable. We work with being, but it is non-being that we truly use. So I think this is interesting that we forget about the empty spaces and the emptiness. And the emptiness of a, of a space isn't full of nothing, it's full of vibration. It's full of energy. I mean, in this room, in our, our rooms, we're, we're, there's literally wave, radio waves and TV waves and cell phone signals. We don't see it. We can't perceive it with our senses. Well, there's also a lot more that's going on. There's earth energy, nature energy, human energy. And when there's very high level practitioners uh, of energy work, spiritual energy, it's palpable. You know, so when meditation masters enlightened beings are have been in particular spaces especially over some period of time when you enter into it you're just going to feel that vibration it's like being like you're tuning into it it's like your frequency has now picked up that signal and now you're on that vibration and it was like wow we're on that we're in the we're in the presence of something really great. And so I think spaces can be that way. Certain masters, when you're around them, can feel that way. You just feel connected to that frequency and it alters you. It changes your frequency because you're in that space or you're in their presence. It's a lot of fun. It's a lot of fun. The most fun. <laughs> Brian? Speaking of fun, would this be a good time to uh, maybe launch a guided meditation? Absolutely. And this is a this is a fun, a, a fun one. My two year old is always saying that was a fun, huh? And I was like, yeah, that was a fun. That was a fun. Go to the park. That was a fun to go on the swing. So let's do a that was a fun to meditate because meditation, it should be fun. It should be a time when we get to relax, tune into our own minds, get to know ourselves a little bit better. And this meditation is called inner smile. 
And it's a healing meditation. It, and it kind of sets up any other meditation that you want with just a little bit more elevation and positivity. So I love it, um, especially in working with you guys and your listeners, because probably everybody has some kind of meditation experience and practice. And now we can just infuse it with a little bit of uh, more heart energy. And if you wanted to start your meditation with this practice and then go into anything else, microcosmic orbit, mindfulness, uh, Vipassana, whatever, it will just give it a little bit more lightness. So go ahead, everybody, and just get calm and relaxed. Take a few slow, deep breaths in and out through your nose. And this meditation, the inner smile. And it's truly designed to bring a smiling energy into your heart. So just imagine that you're watching a beautiful sunset, this golden light on the horizon. And everything in nature seems to be in harmony and balance. And then just let the rays of the sun shine on your face and feel your face respond with just a little smile between your eyes, maybe just a little lifting of the corners of your mouth. And then take a nice deep breath. Bring that smiling golden light into your face and then feel it melting from your face down into your heart so that you bring that smiling energy inward. Try that again. Just take a nice, slow, deep breath. Draw that golden light from the horizon into your face. And when you exhale, let it settle and relax into your heart. And as you inhale, you can bring a slightly bigger smile to your face. And then when you exhale down towards your heart, just let the face relax. Let the smile enter into your heart. And when your heart is smiling, the energy is elevated. We truly feel a sense of connection to our inner joy, a light sense of bliss and inner peace. Where we can just relax deeply into this moment. Inhale, just bring that smile to your face. Exhale, let the face relax and let the smile enter into your heart. And now feel like your heart is like that sunset. It's just golden and warm and it's shining light through your chest and down through your abdomen. This beautiful energy in your heart is an act of self-compassion. Smile to your own heart as an act of self-compassion. 
Let that light and radiance shine through your chest, your abdomen, down your legs. Let that loving kindness from your heart shine through your spine, into your brain, down your arms to your fingertips. Until every cell in your body is full with this heart loving kindness. Think of this meditation as heartfulness, the fullness of your heart in the moment, expanded. And just sit with that, let that shine and radiate through every cell in your body until your whole inner being is vibrating at that frequency of joy, loving kindness, and deep inner peace. And bring your hands over your belly and just center the energy there. Hands over the belly and center your energy there. In Qigong, we put the hands over the belly as a way to store the energy of an experience and contain it. I want you to just take a nice deep breath into your belly. And when you're ready, you can slowly open your eyes. And here we are with a little more smiling energy. I love that uh, meditation. You know, I, I've done it off and on for a few years. And when I first did it, it, you know, I might have to do it for 20 minutes before I really felt something. Mm. Now it's more like 20 seconds, mm -hmm. you know, exactly. that I can tune into it. And yeah, yeah. that's one of the things I like about Qigong as you do it more, the energy is more obvious, more available. It doesn't take long to feel the flow, which is a really nice aspect of it. Yeah, absolutely. As you do it more, you can actually do it less and get better results. Right. So it's, that's the beautiful thing about these practices. You get more proficient at it, uh, you know, with just a few deep breaths, a couple movements. I'm like, I'm back to the state of mind and body that I want to be in rather than being pushed and pulled by life and life stresses around me. I'm more in control at the, at the center. Uh, and I can feel myself getting back to those states in shorter and shorter amounts of time. And then you can really reside in there, reside in that state of balance for much longer. So beautiful. You know, one last question I have, um, you know, you've been at this for a long time and I'm wondering what changes you've seen in terms of how people relate to Qigong or how your teaching has shifted to meet the cultural moment. People are probably more stressed out than ever before. Mm. Uh, yeah. What have you noticed? 
Yeah, they are more stressed out and they're also more open. It's interesting. Hmm. People are w- much more open when you say Qigong, I get, uh huh, what's that? As opposed to like, what? Qigong, what? <laughs> you know, like when I first started teaching, teaching in the late 90s and going in, uh, around to Silicon Valley and, and doing wellness days and teaching classes, there was a big hurdle to get people over before they would like open up to a practice like this. But now with the popularity of mindfulness, yoga, meditation, there's a lot more openness to energy practices because you're already there. You're already cultivating uh, an essence of mindfulness in, in various, in various ways. And I think the, the research on stress has been now so well-documented that people understand that it's detrimental to their health if they're stressed out. So they're looking for more tools and techniques. And uh, for me, I think if you want a practice that's simple, accessible, easy to do, that's very effective, Qigong is just so right on target. It's the practice of less stress and more energy. And I think everybody wants that. And once they get over the, let's say the name Qigong, that sounds a little weird, it's really like, oh yeah, I want that. They try it a couple of times and they feel better. And it's becoming more and more popular. Yeah. It's yeah. so refreshing to hear a description of something that feels so hopeful about the change in the world. Yeah. Oh, thank you, Brian. Yeah, absolutely. So how so, can people learn more about you, Lee? Yeah. Come find me at holdenqigong.com. And qigong is spelled Q-I-G-O-N-G, Holden Qigong. And, you know, guys, we have a, a two-week free trial, so you can come to class and try it out for two weeks, absolutely free. And it's just like you're in class with me. So that's always a good place to start. But we also have, you know, introduction to Qigong of all kinds of workshops, all the way from an introductory level to a teacher training. You have no shortage of videos that uh, I've, I've practiced along with and and books and all kinds of things. I recommend that people go to your website. And, uh, and thanks for, you know, taking all this esoteric, Eastern stuff and making it accessible to to people like me and Brian and our audience. Uh, you've done a great job of that. I really appreciate that. Uh, I really appreciate it. It's so great to be on with you guys. Thanks so much. Okay. And as always, to our listeners, keep exploring. Keep exploring. Thank you for listening to Awareness Explorers. To learn more, you can check out our website at awarenessexplorers.com. Please subscribe to our podcast on your favorite podcast app. We'd love it if you would post a review. And please share our link on Facebook and with family and friends, because knowing yourself as awareness is the greatest gift you can give yourself or someone you love.